you're listening to A Daily Dose of Hope, healthy stuff so you can keep on trucking with Hope Savaro. Of Hope with Pro and Steel Radio. I hope you're doing a great day or having a great day. That's a lot of hope, but you know me. I like to bring a lot of hope to everyone's lives. And today we have a really great guest on the show. So whether you are a parent or you are parenting someone else's kids, or you have a dog, whatever it is. I think the struggle is real for a lot of us, and sometimes we just don't know what to do, or we wonder, am I doing the right thing? Or we just need confirmation that you know, the choices that we're making with our kids or somebody else's kids maybe um, are the best for the moment. So I'm really excited to have Jeremy on. Jeremy is a Kung Fu master. I love that title. I want that title. And Jeremy and I are going to talk all about parenting today. And I know for my truckers out there, you're probably wondering what in the world are we talking about parenting for on a show? And the reason being is many of us have kids, whether they're young or they're old, For my truckers, you're traveling, you're away from your family. I've talked to many of you. It's stressful. It's challenging. You feel disconnected, but yet you love what you do. So how do we find balance with all that? And Jeremy is here to the rescue. So Jeremy, welcome. Well, thank you. That was a great intro. And I actually want to key on on something you said just the very, very beginning. You said, make it a great day, like not, not have, make. And that's the key right? is being proactive, taking initiative. I love that. That's a fantastic way to start this off. Awesome. But for those of you that are parents out there, and I know Jeremy and I were just chit-chatting here before we started, is sometimes it's really hard to make it a great day when you have kids. And I I have kids, my youngest is four and a half, my oldest is turning 11. So my 11-year-old thinks that he's 17, and my four-year-old wants to be a four-year-old, but also wants to be 17. So the struggle is real, but then yet I have dreams and I have aspirations and I have a job and I'm, I'm married and, and the balance of all of that, for my truckers, you're out on the road away from your family and that's a really, really stressful. And so Jeremy, like, where do we start? Like help, what, what do we do? Well, I think the first thing is to realize balance is something that is dynamic. It is not static. So it's a skill. And the more we practice it, the better we get. Right? I used to actually drive a, uh, a Chevy step van. So I had like a 21 foot van, nine feet tall, converted it into a motorhome to go to Renaissance festivals. But driving that across wait, 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 Kansas. Whoa, 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 time out. Yeah. You converted a van. Yeah. To go to Renaissance festivals. Please tell me you yeah. dressed up in the full gear. Oh yeah. I worked I worked in Ohio for like 17 years. And then we traveled to Kenosha, Wisconsin and Colorado. And the experiences in Kenosha, Kenosha, in the tent during we had a uh, we had a tornado go by about 50 yards to my right. And I woke up with my tent smushed in my face. And so I was like, never again, because my buddy had a VW camper wagon. So I bought a, a P30 Chevy step van is about 21 feet long, nine feet tall, nine feet wide. And we converted that into a motorhome, put a, put a refrigerator in it, put a bed in it, put some tables, Fantastic. chairs. Yeah. And so, yeah, we worked out there. I sold swords. I pushed rides. I did, um, I sold pewter, just yeah, any kind of odd job while I was I out there. I love it. And for those of you listening, Kenosha, Wisconsin is like literally an hour from my backyard. So maybe a little bit more than that. So I am very familiar with Kenosha, Wisconsin, and you pronounced it correctly. So Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kenosha, you know. Kenosha, people, don't you know? People always be like, Hope, are you from Canada? I'm like, well, it could be. I'm close enough. But no, I am not, not Canadian. Enough. Say not enough A's. Go to yeah, kill not, Canada, eh? Not 
enough not enough Canadian in my blood, but I'm pretty damn close. But um, so we are we just totally got off on a tangent because <laughs> I heard Renaissance Fair and I was like, stop the train. For those of you tuning in, this is Jer um, this is Jeremy, and we are talking all about parenting today. Mm -hmm. Do not tune out if you're like parenting, no thank you. Because nope. the reality is we all need a little help or a confirmation or a kick in the pants that there's some things that we can do to enhance our parenting. Because I don't know about you, one of the things I go to bed at night is I always think to myself, please, God, tell me I am not effing up my kids. <laughs> that is the prayer I pray every single night is please tell me that my kids are going to turn out okay. And Jeremy was just kind of talking about some of the dynamics of parenting. And, and Jeremy, I guess give us some insights to where, where do we start with parenting? Like if we feel like we're messing our kids up, what can we do? Well, realize that kids are ridiculously resilient and everybody's got issues. We're not saints. So, you know, just do your best not to add to the damage and, and you'll be good. And then the second thing is, it's all about how to create games. How can you create a game that you both get to win? And that's really what I, what I help families do is change the conversation, change the energy flow. I want to feel good and I want to help you feel good at the same time. I can't make you feel good, but I can help you get there. And then it's, that gives you permission to just like, you know, even with the four and a half year old, can we just do this different? Mommy's not happy. And, and sometimes you just get that permission. And they're like, okay, because they don't know. And for the 11 year old, that's great. I would love for you to do that. What has to happen first? And that awesome. gets him to start deconstructing and thinking for himself. Well, uh, I think I should do this and this. Oh, I like that first part. You might want to consider this on the second part. And then you can begin a dialogue to allow him more freedom. Cause like, dude, I want you to borrow the car when you're 16, but I need to know I can trust you because it's 2,000 pounds of death. Yours or somebody else's. Okay, so question for you. What mm -hmm. about if you're a parent, because I can think about several of, uh, of people that I know that are control freaks, and I mean this in a really nice way, those of you listening, you control every aspect of your kid's life, all the way down to like, those shoes don't go with that outfit. I mean, it really is the sky going to fall if your kid wears tennis shoes with a dress. Be thankful that she's wearing a dress. I mean, seriously. So Absolutely. What, what do you do in those instances? And for those of you that travel, I travel for my job. It doesn't really pay to control things over the phone. Like, you're not there. So what do you do in those situations? So the, the challenge there is they have to admit they have a problem because you can't coach people who aren't asking for help. So you've got to ask them, hey, do you like this? Do you like the way things are going? Do you like you can't trust your kid? Do you like the game that you're playing? Because like, who, who wins, right? You're in control. They have no freedom. They have no choice. They have no opportunity. When is that going to change, right? And in full disclosure, when I was four, I climbed a fig tree in the backyard and got on the roof. And I was in a, on a leash because I would run into traffic. So if anybody needed to be controlled and add to that dynamic my brother and i were two out of 10 kids oh my, my mom miscarried eight times so if you think anybody is going to be overprotective and try to keep us from the world but my parents realized they had two goals one help my brother and i make our own decisions and then two help us learn to live with the consequences and because they got that higher level goal it allowed them to start freeing things up so if i have a parent who is micromanaging, it's just, do you like this? Is this what you want to be doing when they're a 20-ager and living in your basement or a third-ager or a four-ager? They're 30, 40, 50 years old living in your basement. You never get freedom. You never get them out of the house. So they're like, wait, uh, what? Yeah, because you keep doing everything for them. They basically only chew their food. When are they going to learn these skills? 
you said something really, really that um, important, and you talked about consequences. And I, I think this this is relevant to adults and children because we kind of live in a society right now where we're trying to almost bubble wrap people from consequences, you know. Yeah. And, and I got to be honest, you know, I didn't have I had a great childhood, and at the same time, I didn't. And and I think it was the consequences when my parents were like, "You kind of messed up, Hope. Deal with it." And when I went through an eating disorder, I was kind of pissed in the initial recovery stages because I kind of felt like my parents just left me. But it also taught me resilience. And it taught me, like, if you really want this hope, you better do something about it or nothing's going to change. And I think about parenting in today's world. What are your what is your take on consequences? Because I know for a lot of parents, they're afraid to let their kids experience shortcomings, experience loss, ex be, be on the losing team, not get their way because they're afraid they're going to hurt their kids' feelings. <laughs> Our daughter just threw a temper tantrum and stuck her tongue out at us because we left the park before she was ready to be done. And it was a very simple choice. You can walk or I will carry you like a baby. You get that choice. But we are leaving. You don't get that choice. So part of understanding consequences, consequences is not a bad word. It's not taboo. If you get all straight A's and we buy you a car, is that a consequence? Oh, it is. We as adults only use that word tied to pain is the problem mm. that sets that up, right? If you do an awesome job, your consequence is movie night. It's family night. It's, it's you get to choose dinner for the evening. It's you get to choose dessert. So, so we have to destigmatize that word and just say, look, if you want to get to a result, learning how to walk, it's a messy process. You fall down a lot. But babies don't fall in the kitchen and say, oh, I can't walk in the kitchen. Then they fall in the bathroom and say, I can't walk in the bathroom. They're more focused on their goal and their result, not on the attempts that didn't work. So we have to understand what success is usually wrapped in layers of failure, quote unquote. It's, it's wrapped in layers of what I call the success you weren't looking for. So when do you stop? The success you weren't looking for or the success you were looking for? Okay, you said something really important, and I want you to expand on it a little bit. Sure. You were talking about the idea of success and failure, but, mm -hmm. but the fact that consequences can be a positive thing. Now, as adults, let's just like put our parenting hat on for adults, <laughs> and can you talk more about the whole consequences thing, and how do we change that perspective? Because I got to be honest, when I reflect every experience in my life as a child through adulthood consequences were always a negative connotation how Correct. do we shift that you, you should begin on purpose you say look the consequences of eat helping live eh, say that again the consequences of eating healthy is i don't get a heart transplant i save a quarter of a million dollars and i don't get a zipper mm. right because that's really the consequence if, if you eat 70 percent of your diet is raw vegetables either steamed or or uncooked but 70 percent of your diet is vegetable you're going to have a much healthier colon you're going to have much better bowel movements you're not going to carry a bunch of body weight it's going to help your body buffer against cortisol and noradrenaline when you have a stress response truckers i'm talking specifically to you on eating more veg at first if you're not used to it you will be gassy and you will have to crap a whole lot more but once your system gets used to it you're actually going to have more energy more endurance and your body will be healthier, you'll weigh less, you'll be less fatigued, you'll need less stimulants. It's this lovely, vicious cycle of awesomeness that begins with, I got to get clear on my consequences. Do I want the zipper? Do I want the heart attack? Do I want to have the extra, the extra cholesterol running through my platelets? You know, do I want that going on? So consequences is nothing more than the result of your actions. So you're going to face consequences, good, bad, or sideways. But the language that most people use has that stigma of consequences. Mom and dad only bring out consequence or they bring out discipline when we messed up. Mm. 
when you trucked up versus the truth is if you want to have a successful life, if you want to have more freedom, the more self-discipline you have, the more freedom you have because you're in control of your choices and your decisions and your consequences. When you are at the whim and the mercy of whatever tickles your fancy in the moment, you are a slave to your urges and your desires and you're tilting at windmills left and right all day long. And now you're running more adrenaline, you're running more cortisol, you're running more stress response, you're just burning yourself out chemically, and then you gotta buffer it with all this extra crap. So we gotta just change that association. Consequence means nothing more than the result of your action. That's it. And so then once we start to destigmatize that and we tell other people, hey, the consequence of this is I think you're awesome, high five. And they go, wait, what? Because you're giving positive reinforcement around a word that typically is negative. It begins to shift the consciousness. I love it. I love it. And one thing I think that's really important as you hit on is, is the adult changing the behavior. Because one thing I've learned about for having, having children is they only learn from the environment that I put them in. They only learn from the things that I expose them to. So as a parent, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience, when someone says, you know, my kid doesn't eat healthy, stop buying shitty food. I mean, problem solved. And so there's, there's a whole circle that applies also to adults. If yeah. I want to stop eating crappy food, I have to stop buying crappy food for myself, period. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a whole emotional, mental component to that all. But one of the things that's really helped me as a parent is I kind of have to step back and realize a lot of these things are really simple. I mean, they yep. truly, truly are. And we are so in control that we have the ability to really mold and shape our children. One of the questions that I have for you is, I'd love for you to give insight on what to do with multiple ages of children. Because when you have a 11 or 14 year old and you have a two, three, four year old, it's really hard to say, you know, you have to go to bed at seven, but they can go to bed at nine or you can't do this and you can't do that. What do you say to parents when they're struggling parenting individually? Well, the first step is we got to identify the kids where they're at mentally and emotionally. And that begins with what I call cat training mode and dog training mode. Hmm. So little kids prior to about before, before three to five, somewhere in there, they are functionally sociopaths. They do not have empathy. They'll model what they see, but they don't actually have it. Empathy begins to show up as a brain structure between three and five years old. And, and then we can actually begin to develop it. And then it actually links in and we become socialized between about five and seven. And then we begin to actually learn what to do with that stuff after that point. So if a kid goes through an emotional significant, a significantly emotional event, um, then they can actually switch gears from a child brain to a teen brain. And if empathy hasn't shown up yet, it's not gonna to any great mm -hmm. detail. And that's how you get sociopaths and, and um, narcissists and uh, borderline personality disorder, all that kind of stuff. So, so first step is, am I dealing with a cat or a dog? And the dog training, those are the kids that actually have empathy. They, the herd instinct is there. They want to be part of the group. They want to be included. And that generally runs somewhere between three and five up to about nine to 12, generally 10 to 12, but nine to 12. And then they start to go back to cat training mode, but they have that emotional component in there. They can empathize. They have compassion. They have sympathy for others. But as a teenager, they're starting to deconstruct the value system you've given them as parents and being a good boy, being a good girl, that positional motivation is no longer meaningful to them. 
Mm. So you have to start to become a, an influential leader, which means aligning vision, aligning values, talking to them like they're intelligent because intellectually they can handle a heavier throughput of information, but mentally and emo you know, emotionally, they're still, you know, they're still kids developing their emotions and their values and those sorts of things. So once I begin to understand cat versus dog, dog I can get away with because I said so, but with cats, you absolutely cannot. So with cats, you find what motivates them and align what motivates them with your outcomes. So if I'm dealing with a three-year-old, a four-year-old, hey, do you want a cookie? Okay, well, can you put all these toys away and then we can go get cookies. Okay. And then we're going to play, we play the cleanup game. Okay, let's play the cleanup game. And we sing a little song about clean up, clean up, everybody clean up, everybody everywhere, everybody do your share. And then we help them clean because they're building their coordination, that type of stuff. But they see me pitching in and I'm helping clean up a mess I didn't make, socialization, because later we're going to have them pitching in as teenagers helping clean up messes for younger siblings. I didn't make that mess. No, you didn't, but you live here. And this is part of our values and what we do as a family. When you make a mess, do we all just sit back and watch you and eat popcorn or do we help? Uh, I guess you guys help. Okay, cool. So then we'll help you now too. Win-win. Deal? High five. Thank you, sir. And off we go. So then it's just, it's, then it's tying into those deeper values and dude, I would love for you to have more freedom. What needs to happen? I'd love for you to go to the movies this weekend. What needs to happen? What's going on at home, homework, uh, grades, siblings, schedule, vehicles, you know, what else? Our life is kind of complex. So what else going on? You know, the conversation with the four-year-old right now is babe, I love you, but the world does not revolve around you because she's upset because she didn't get this thing she wants when she wants it. I'm like, you got to use your patience muscles. Flex, show me your patience muscles. Oh, those are big patience muscles. Can you hold on for like 10 more minutes? And of course, she doesn't process time that well. So 10 minutes could be two hours, right? It could but be it's two just, seconds. <laughs> it, it could be two seconds. That is true. So we are playing a game of how can we stretch her sense of time. And we've got to remember, you know, adults are allowed to have bad days. Then kids are allowed to have bad days and they're allowed to be cranky and they're allowed to wake up hard and that kind of stuff. We just got to recognize that label it. Go, are you waking up hard, babe? Okay. Well, let's just everybody talk a little quiet for a little while. And then when we meet them at that lower level of energy, it's easier for them to get out of it faster and come join us at a higher level versus we make it a battle and make them wrong. And you just got to stop having that attitude and you just got to this, you just got to, and we hammer on them and now they're going to get dug in more. And now we're just creating our own problems. We may be right but we're not getting the influence and helping guide them the way we want. Okay. You literally just described every adult work environment <laughs> on the state of the planet. So I was just thinking to myself, like when people come into a job, some of the people hate the job that they're talking to them like a dog. Mm -hmm. Some of them don't have the skills yet. And so when they throw them into the cat situation, they're like, they never taught me this. They didn't tell me I needed to show up at nine o'clock. They just yep. said work starts at nine. I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know that we did this. And so as an adult, wow, like what you just said there, like is I'm wrapping my head around it. I'm thinking like, this is like every work environment or every yep. struggle. They're not understanding what kind of an environment they in. Are they in the cat environment or a dog environment? So for my, my drivers and my people out there that I know many of you are not happy with your employer, you're not happy with your company, you're not happy with where you work, maybe you're misunderstanding the environment. If you understand how it is that they parent you in a sense, do you think, Jeremy, that that, that can change a work environment? Oh, absolutely. And also there's a book called Good to Great and it talks about, you know, different corporations and you got to get the right people on the bus, but then you got to get them in the right seats. And, and there's athletes that on one, uh, one sport franchise, they suck. 
their stats are great. They got recruited. They should have been amazing and they're not because the culture that they're in isn't supporting them. You know, they may be a dog in a cat environment or a cat in a dog environment. And when they change teams, they find the right culture for them that resonates and then it amplifies, right? So when I work with couples and I work with families, it's like, hey guys, the best relationships, joy is minimized and I'm sorry, uh, the best relationships, joy is maximized, pain is minimized. In the worst relationships, joy is minimized and pain is maximized. So what do you have right now? And if you're in an environment where pain is maximized, joy is minimized, and you don't feel like you can do anything about it or what you say just doesn't get anywhere, you really have to evaluate why am I on this team? Mm. And if that's ah. a, profession, a professional setting, is always easier than romantic setting. But from a professional setting, it's like, I need to find a different situation. It doesn't make this company wrong or bad or evil or vile or malicious or any of those things. I'm not going to waste my energy caring that much. It's just recognizing that I need to get out of Dodge because this is not a win-win environment. So let me reposition myself. Let me find a team that is going to be a win-win. Let me talk to some other drivers about their experience, people with similar personality. Then I can find a place where I'm going to thrive. Because if I show up and do my best work and I feel the company appreciates that, that's, that we're going to amplify each other and everything is better. And then that's going to bleed over into personal family relationships, intimate relationships, your physical health and relationship with yourself too. Okay. So you talked a little bit about if you, if you aren't taught empathy at a young age, you more than likely aren't going to develop it later on in life. Can you expand on that? Because I think for a lot of people, then we, we struggle as adults or we have all of this stuff going on, issues, quote unquote, and people aren't connecting it back, you know, that they struggle, you know, to see the, the bigger picture because it's so immediate. Can you shed some light on that? And maybe for parents right now that are listening that are have young children, or maybe they're not young, like, can, how can we change the course if we're like, whoa, I missed that boat? Right, right. So, so what happens is the way we develop, um, empathy is actually, it begins, there's structures inside your brain that turn on as you mature. So when you're a little tiny kid and mom and dad are on oxytocin, they're on the unconditional love hormone, everything you do is golden, you throw up on them, they love you, you crap all over the house, they love you. But then at some point, those chemical levels drop, usually in dad first, mom second, but they drop. And yesterday, I got love when I threw up on them. Today, I got yelled at. Love was taken away. And little unconscious baby brain goes, oh, no, I'm going to die because babies without love, it's called failure to thrive. And so they begin to run through all different kinds of patterns and behaviors to get the connection back. I need that flow of love. So I might try to talk. I might try to stand up. I might hit myself. I might make somebody laugh. And those become like, you could call them genotypes. They're like little tiny seeds that get planted deep in our unconscious for the behaviors we start to manifest as we grow up. I'm going to be a victim because that's how I get connection and love. I'm going to be an entertainer because that's how I get a connection and love. I'm going to be a speaker. I'm going to be an athlete. So, so we're beginning these little patterns. And then generally around three to five years old, we're starting to hear no. And that pain forces us to adapt. Why am I getting pain? I have to start learning to manipulate. I have to start learning to change and hide and, and, and adapt. I have to become more sophisticated. And without that, you won't get the empathy to start to grow. The danger is if we shift into a teenage brain before the empathy really, the structures are built in our brain and begin to start linking in, if we jump to teenage brain, there's a chemical cascade that happens and we actually block the further development of our ability to have empathy. 
Without those structures, we literally won't have empathy. That's where sociopaths come from. They will never, a true sociopath will never ever develop empathy. They can, they can model it, they can fake it, but they will always look at human beings as cattle and toys to be played with. Wow. So, so building that empathy is super important and, and also keeping kids away from massive trauma, physical, mental, emotional abuse. Unfortunately, moving can trigger things, death of a family member or pet can trigger things. So it's not 100%, no matter, you could be a perfect parent. My parents gave me unconditional love. They were amazing. I still ended up getting abused by a security guard in one country and a couple of kids up the street in another country when I was five and six because they just they couldn't be everywhere 24-7. And at that age, I blamed myself for what happened, not the other people, because little kids don't know how to disassociate. They don't know how to say that wasn't, you know, mom and dad are mad at me, not mad at my behavior. Kids internalize different. And so that's a trick or a key for parents is, baby, I love you and what you're doing right now is not okay. You can't be yelling like this in the middle of this place. I can't bring you out in public if you're going to be like that. We'll do something else. We'll stay home. But I want to go out. Well, then you have to show me good self-control. Not you have to be good because be good is too nebulous. Be good has lots of interpretation. You have to show me better self-control, which is when my mind controls my body and my emotions. So can you do that? Can you sit still for 10 seconds? I'll time you, ready? Let's go. And, and now I'm changing this into a game that they can win. And that's one of the things I see with parents all the time is they wanna punish their kids. They talk about discipline and consequences. And I'm gonna punish you. And then they just, they overamp all this pain. The kid can never win, right? So, so I run martial arts and my daughter messed up. Um, she was in class on Monday night. And she's four and a half. She's a little bit young for when I would actually take students, but we're, we're stretching her a little bit and she can do about half a class. You, you, know, was, you know the person in charge, right? Like, Yeah, I, I got connections. <laughs> I got connections. So she's, she is you know, not quite paying attention in class. I'm talking. I have to call her name too many times. I have to count to get her attention. And finally, she's just laying down on the floor, kind of just crashed out while I'm talking to the class about something. So I said, okay, go have a seat on the bench. And now she's upset because she's not part of the group. So the herd instinct is kicking in because she wants to be part of the group. Good sign. But she's still selfish and sociopathic a little bit too, which is just normal for four and a half. Not a big deal. But I put her over on the bench. We did something else. And she's like, now she's upset because she wants to do the fun thing they're doing. And I said, look, I can't have you on the floor if you're just going to lay there. No, I'll be good. I'll listen. You can tell me that, but you'd have to show me that. So I need you to sit like a black belt, sit up nice and tall, cross your arms and legs, hands on your knees, stay there for two minutes, and you can come out and join us. And now she's crying because she's upset because she's not part of the group, but she's also crossing her legs and puts her hands on her knees, and she's sitting up nice and tall like I asked her to. Two minutes goes by, and I pulled her back out. I said, okay, you can come join us. And she got to finish class with us. I gave her a way to win out of the punishment. And really, it wasn't about punishment. It was just, I'm giving you a moment to compose yourself and I'm shifting the pattern because she's behaving one way and that's not okay. So I isolated her. She can still see what's going on. I didn't send her out of the room. I have done that too sometimes. And then I go talk to her one-on-one. -on -one. But it's just the idea of giving her a way to win back the connection with the group, with the family. Because if I just isolate and push back and make her wrong and keep doing that and hammering on that, how long before her identity becomes, I am bad? And then she starts to behave accordingly because if her identity is I'm bad, then she'll do the same stuff, right? She'll start to act bad because she sees it in movies. She sees it in cartoons. They always have the bad guy. That's the stuff she'll start modeling. Okay. So I got to give her a way out. I got to give her that option for redemption, right? The hero always has that, that, you know, I'm in the crisis point and then we give the bad guy the chance to get healed. And if they're, if they're really a heart of gold, they'll come back. And if they're not, they'll destroy themselves. So it's kind of that same sort of a game, again, game 
with the kids how to play that slightly different. Wow. Okay. So now I'm going to challenge you. Can you, can you relate that to an adult setting? Because, okay, we have kids and clearly you usually how we, we parent our kids is how, you know, either we were parented or we weren't parented, but then it's also how we communicate with other people. Like the way I communicate with my kids is not too far off from how I communicate with adults. So can you give an adult situation scenario and how can we change that? How can we improve it? Because I think for many of us, we're stressed. Like we are like stressed to the hilt because you Mm -hmm. hit it on the head. We're trying to be this thing, especially social media, like the highlights of my life to show that I'm amazing. But then yet I like hate myself and I'm angry and I yell at my kids and my spouse and I have a shitty relationship, but on the outside, I'm great. And so I'm I'm seeing a lot of parallels of what you're talking about. Can you Mm -hmm. translate what you just said into an adult situation? And what could we do with our adult friends or our spouse or our sisters, our brothers to fix some of that, to change some of that? That's easy. You and your husband ever get in a disagreement? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, cool. And when you guys are in a disagreement, does one of you decide to like do the silent treatment? Um, I used to because that was my default because that's what I learned from my parents. Exactly. So when you withhold love, what happens? Um, nothing that bad. I, I feel I feel guilty and Yeah, nothing good. So when we withhold love, we get exactly what we didn't want. I don't want to feel disconnected from you. I don't want to feel this isolation. I don't want to feel this separation. So I'm going to give you the silent treatment and I'm going to get all those things. I'm going to get no connection. I'm going to get lonely and I'm going to get isolated because I'm withholding love versus you just say, look, I love you. I don't want to withhold love, but I'm not happy. Mm. Ah, So I allow a little bit of vulnerability. And if I'm with the right person, whether it's a friend or it's an intimate partner, they're going to respond and they're going to draw closer to me in that moment of vulnerability. That's somebody that you generally can trust, right? Because when I'm vulnerable, they draw close. It's like, just call it, call it what it is. I don't want to withhold love from you. You're amazing. You're one of my favorite people on the whole entire planet, but I'm not happy with you. I'm not happy with the situation. I'm not happy with this energy, this dynamic. And we can language it a couple different ways, but we can just ask for the lifeline or ask for the communication. Can we, can we just get on the same page? I don't want to fight with you about this, but I feel like I'm not being heard. I feel, and and you do a lot of I feel statements because you can't say what they're feeling. When you say this, when you do this, I feel this. I respond this way. It reminds me of this other relationship that I don't ever want to live again. Because a lot of times adults are quick to trend line data points, right? Mm. So I get this one thing and then that one thing means, and then we run off at the hilt and we've written a a Russian novel, 800,000 words, from like one thing that if we had waited 10 seconds or we waited 10 minutes and gotten a little bit of feedback, totally different, totally different direction. Right. Um, I read an interesting statistic, which says, you know, marriage divorce rates or whatever they are. Second marriage divorce rates are like 75% to 90%. Wow. Because people have a pattern that they run and they got into conflict and they finally got divorced. They go meet somebody else. That pattern shows up. Now, is it because they're their partner or is it because it's a pattern inside themselves and they found the right person to run that pattern with again? But they're like, I know where this is going and I'm out. And they just, they take off because they haven't done the work inside to figure out what's their stuff versus somebody else's stuff. Holy cats. That, and I'm just like listening to you and thinking about everything you've been talking about with kids and it's literally the cycle that you had as a child, what you got or didn't got the way. You are literally replicating that. And and nope. this is no, you know, oh, my parents were shitty or they were great or whatever. It's like 
wait, like you said, you got to wake up and realize you have to change something or you're just going to keep repeating the same cycle over and over and over again. I don't care if you have five different families with five different people, like you're yep. going to keep repeating the patterns over and over again. But one of the things I always think about is if I don't change, my kids are going to go through the same things I did and they're going to struggle exactly. the same way I did. And that is one thing that before I had kids, I refused to do. I don't want my kids to struggle the way that I did. So when a parent is feeling that way, when a parent is feeling that way and they live, they're on the road or the dynamic of living in split households, what do you suggest? Because I, I'm, I have a family member that she has a child and, and they're not together and now she has another child with someone else and, and the dynamics of parenting, he's eight, is really challenging. He's getting told one thing over here, mm -hmm. another thing here. You can tell he's confused. Like, what do you do? Um, does she have a good relationship with the ex-partner? Um, yes and no. Unfortunately, the ex-partner is kind of a narcissist and mm. is kind of living in, in a world that he thinks he's amazing. And um, it's really an unfortunate situation. But like for people that have split split households, what do you suggest? Like, how do you how do you help your children when the other parent might be doing something totally different? Yeah, so you can't control what they do at their house. I mean, there's legal recourse, which is expensive and, and a whole lot of headache. So what you can do, though, is you can control your house. So what's your kid's favorite sport? What's, your, what's their favorite game, right? What's their second favorite game? Okay, cool. So let's say it's basketball and football, right? Basketball, football, they both have a ball. One's played on a court. One's played on a field. So slightly different language patterns, right? So then you think about what are the rules at our house? What are the rules at dad's house? You know, so mom's house, dad's house. So mom's house rules are these, dad's house rules are these. Okay, cool. So what you do is you make the metaphor, you make the frame of, you know, football rules. We create some sort of name for the game at mom's house. And then we, didn't, we can't control dad's house. We're not going to even go there. But, you know, dad has the rules that he has and they work for him to whatever level they work. I'm not 100% certain. I don't live there, so I don't know. And I can't mind read, so I'm not going to even pretend. What I can say, though, is when we come to our house, we play by the blank game rules and you just have the list of rules written out and they're just simple mm -hmm. guidelines how do we score points how do we get in trouble how do we earn bonuses how do we get to the bonus round like you have a little layout of like so the kids can remember oh yeah i'm playing this game now cool just a quick reminder we're good we're good great i love you i love having you here it's so great to have you here give them a lot of pleasure and a lot of reinforcement for being here and being an active participant in our family and we love you and then you know, we just want a quick reminder on the rules, boom, 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 boom. Maybe skip one, have them call you out on it, just to let them catch you and be like, oh yeah, you're right, I missed that one, high five, thanks, good eyes, right? So, but you're getting them to just remind themselves as a pre-frame, we're gonna have a lot of fun, you're gonna be here for the weekend, the week, the summer, whatever the situation. But you, you kind of quantify out, here's the game we're gonna be playing. And more than likely, that eight-year-old is actually a teenager, so they're gonna be able to function a little bit higher faster, than the, the average eight-year-old um, because of the divorce. That is usually a significant emotional event that usually shifts kids into a teenage brain earlier. So that means also they're not going to respond real well to positional authority because I said so, shut up and do it type stuff. Mm. But if it's, these are the, this is the way we play the game of life over here and boom, and here's how you score points. Here's how you win with me. If you want extra dessert, you got to do these things. If you want more screen time, you got to do these things. You just quantify that stuff, set up your kids so they know how to win with you and you know how to win with them because the stuff they want, I want YouTube, I want video game, I want snuggles, I want to make popcorn and watch a movie together. 
awesome. I'd love for that to happen. What needs to happen first? Oh, we got to get our dinner done. Then we can have the dessert. So what's the dinner of our day, our week, our month, the things we have to do, what's that stuff? And that includes exercise. That includes reading things for our body, our mind, our emotions, our, sp- our spirit, potentially if they're earning money, our finances, what are we doing for saving, for investing, for fun? Cause you got to have all three buckets in there. If all you do is save and invest and you never have any fun, you're not going to save money. You're going to, you're going to, it's just like dieting and you restrict and restrict and restrict and restrict. Then you're going to eventually have a blowout and it's not going to be a slice of cake. It's going to be the cake. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have that playtime in there. You've got to have your play food. You've got to have your fun stuff. Um, but that's how you start to shift that conversation. And with an eight year old who is running a teenage brain, you can actually have them help build the rules. You know, what do you think is fair? What do you think is unfair? Cause then you'll actually get some insight into what's going on at the other, other partner's house because you know, well, I don't like this. I don't like that. Um, I have a, a family that I know of that's dealing with a situation. Young man is nine. Mom and dad aren't together. Dad is now with a guy, not a girl, um, which you know, it is what it is. No big deal. But the young man, dad lost his wallet. Young man found it, took money out of it, gave it back. Mm. Felt bad about it and then got caught trying to put the money back. And then they dropped the hammer on him. And they were supposed to go see a movie. He's not going to see the movie. But now three adults plus him, four people aren't going to go see the movie. You owe us money for all those tickets. And you don't get screens unless until you vacuum the whole house, clean up all the poop in the, in the, in the yard because they have a dog, and weed the garden. Oh, and you can only do it on the weekend. Oh, and you're going to your mom's house this weekend. So that means two weeks with no screens. All because his conscience bothered him and he actually wanted to do the right thing. Now he's getting ridiculous amounts of pain for it. And it's really about the first time he's ever messed up like this in his life. Wow. So what do you think he's going to learn from this? To be more honest or to be better at hiding his choices? Be better at hiding his choices. He's not going to make that mistake again. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's sad because you know I know this young man and he's a really great guy, but it, he hurts because he can't win. There's no way for him to earn the stuff back because they stacked all this stuff on. And I'm like, but when did he ever agree to any of that stuff? You know, what right is it theirs to say, well, we're going to withhold love from you. And they're taking all these things away from him. And, and the problem with punitive takeaway punishment type strategies is when your kid is naked, duct taped to a wall with nothing in their room because they've lost everything, where do you go next? Hmm. You're not going to kill them. So you have a line, although there are some faith-based systems that allow killing your kids if they embarrass you. Whole nother conversation. But you're not going to kill your kids. You have a line that you won't cross. So what do you do now? You've lost all leverage because you can't take things away forever. You've got to find an elevated strategy. And that's where it becomes what I, what I teach parents all the time is about how to be an influential leader, how to align your vision and your kid's vision. There's no reason they can't have screens. They can't earn a car. They can't do all these things, but we have to align the vision together. And if you don't have the money to buy your kids a car, that's fine. You don't have to. What can they do to earn the money? What can you do to help earn the money? Make it a game over the next couple of years together and you both grow together and they get to be proud of you seeing you grow and change and increase your income capabilities. Wow. It's all about changing the game. It's not getting stuck on, well, but it has to be this way. Why? Why can't we play a different game? 
And I, I interpret everything that you're saying right now as an adult that has children. And I think any, so much what you're saying, you don't even have to have kids. And this applies. Mm -hmm. This is like insight into your childhood so you can fix you to be the best version of you. you this is really, meet Dr. Jeremy here. <laughs> he is going to give you insight into your life so that you can stop effing up and actually start to make some changes. But what I'm interpreting what you're saying is, is that, in order for me to make any of these changes, I, one, have to be aware of what's mm -hmm. going on, and two, I have to be willing to make the immediate changes. And I think what you're asking me to do, let's just say you're talking to me, I'm your client, what mm -hmm. you're asking me to do is not rocket science. You're mm -hmm. asking me to slow down hope, and when my son Harper, you know, mouths off to me, or maybe he doesn't pick up the whole living room, or he only does half of the dishes because that's usually what him and my daughter do is they split the dishwasher, mm -hmm. and I freak out on him. Like, let's step back here. He did his part. So why is the other half his problem? I'm just thinking about my own just yesterday. I was like, why didn't you put all the dishes away? Well, that's Meredith's half. And I like flipped out on him. I'm like, put them all away. Who cares? And it's like, no, 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 wait. Like, that's always been the deal. She that's didn't do it. Not that's dog, yeah, that's dog training mode. Guys tend to be more dog training mode than girls, uh, or masculine tends to be more dog training mode than feminine. But yeah, no, he's like, he's like, I did my thing and you're giving me pain. I did my responsibility. Why didn't you do the rest of it? Because it's not my job. And that's not an evasion. That's not a justification. It's the statement of reality for him. Mm -hmm. It's not my job. Oh, you're right. It's not. Well, could you just do me a favor? Could you help and just put those away now? Would that be okay? Oh, yeah, like sure. Mind blown. I mean, seriously, like yeah. you have broken this down in such a way where it's like, let's stop complicating this, people. Like our kids are not messed up. No offense, mm -hmm. we're messed up, okay? As parents, we are messed up and we need to just own that and know that it's okay mm -hmm. and that we have tools to change that if Absolutely. we so desire to. Exactly. And that's the thing is if you're not happy with the standard, great. Let's start changing. Pick one thing. It doesn't have to be everything all at once. Full court press very rarely works. It's not sustainable. So you change one thing and you celebrate that victory and you do that until it starts to become kind of automatic. And then we build from there. And if it's, you know, your, your son is talking back to you, first thing you do is take a deep breath because it, it helps you when you take a deep breath, it decouples your fight or flight system and it brings on your meditation system. So hold on a second. And maybe in your head, you're thinking, I love my son. He's amazing. He's so helpful. You remind yourself a couple of good things about him and you're like, let's talk about that response for a second, right? Because it just allows you to come at it from a different energy. When you change, is he being disrespectful or is he asserting his boundaries, mm. right? Because it doesn't change the reality of the situation, but it changes how I show up. If I just, it's possible, maybe he feels he's asserting his boundaries. I feel he's back talking. Maybe we both are right and maybe we both are wrong. Maybe there's room for a third alternative. And just being able to language that, and then he's hearing this conversation, you're, you're kind of creating a ladder for him to climb. And then the next time he wants to start to mouth off, he goes, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't worth saying. Maybe I could say this better. Maybe I could assert my boundaries differently. You're giving him a different model, right? And that's just the idea of just, hold on a second, let me take a deep breath. All right, dude, not a great way to respond. Can we try that again? Love it. Right? Okay. Simple. I have a question for you. I have this insight and it dawned on me about two years ago and, and I want your perspective on it. So, you know, sure. kids go to school for eight hours. They have to be perfect, follow rules, stay in line, don't get up, blah, 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 all the stuff I can't stand. 
But then they come home and it real, I realized this a few years ago where it's like, I'm literally asking my kids to be perfect when they come home. And when I come home from work, I just want to, whatever I'm having a bad day, but I was as a parent, literally not allowing my kids to have a bad day and not allowing them a place to let their hair down and be, be the crazy kid for eight hours. They were not allowed to be like, correct. Like throw some insight into this because I feel like when I talk to people about this, they're like, what? It's like glaze in the eyes. Right, right. So, so there's basically, we have two systems. We have a masculine system and a feminine system. Masculine, just do this real quick. And if you're driving, don't do this at home. But if you're not driving, you can do this later. But take your hands, put the heel of your hand against your uh, glasses on both sides. Go ahead, do it just real quick. And then bring your fingertips together in front of you about an inch apart. Good. Now look around the room. <laughs> you have blinders on, right? Yeah, totally. That's what masculine does. Masculine is called single point focus. Masculine deletes all the inconsequential crap to get to the one thing that's going to solve the problem, deal with the situation, and move forward. That's what masculine does. Our educational system, by and large, is masculine driven. It's auditory, it's visual, and it's masculine. Delete all that crap. Focus on this one thing. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what's going on. Don't pay attention to what anyone's wearing. Just do the damn thing that's in front of you. Shut up. Sit down. It's a very, if you've studied spiral dynamics, it's a very blue consciousness. Follow the rules, the system, the truth. We own it. Shut up. Don't, com don't compromise. And so feminine energy is what's called diffuse awareness. So go back to this model with your hands like this, you know, hands together. I'm going to do it again, now, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now open up all the way. All the way. As wide as you can, look around the room. That's feminine. Feminine is circle. Feminine is diffuse awareness, which means to pour in all directions simultaneously. Feminine notices everything all the time. And we both have, we have access to both masculine and feminine in different ratios and in different times and places. Different circumstances can play with those ratios. But feminine notices everything all the time. And feminine is about freedom and it's about feeling. It's, it's, the, it's the crash in the waves of the, of the ocean. It's nature. It's those storms that come out of nowhere and then they're gone again. It, it's the raw force of nature itself. You can't contain that. And so we're asking young ladies and gentlemen that are growing and developing to bottle up everything they're thinking, everything they're feeling, everything that's going on. Sit down, shut up, ice forward, drive, drive, drive. And then we let them loose. And then when they get home, we expect them to maintain that. And masculine needs transition time to switch modes. They can be kids in home mode versus kids in work mode. Just like a masculine person can be in work mode and they can be in home mode, but they have to have time to transition between the two, right? So think about when you're tunnel vision, you're producing, you're editing, you're doing all these things. Do you want to be interrupted? No. <laughs> is it pretty if anybody does? Oh, no, no. No. What actually happens is you get into a meditative state, and this is dangerous actually for the drivers or for all the truckers that are listening. When you're driving for long hours, you begin to get into a meditative state. There's actually a part of your brain that takes over. You drive, you shift gears. You don't know how you do it. You just get places. You're like, oh, hey, I'm here. Cool. Because there's a part of you that runs over and takes control. If that part gets interrupted while you're focused, the response is massive because it's a defensive mechanism to protect your consciousness, but you blow up at whoever interrupts you and it's not pretty for them. It actually can be very scary for them because you're just like, there's this demon monster that's just like, and they're like, and they run away and they're crying. I actually had a coworker. I was in a really, I was running, I used to do software testing and I was moving data between four different sheets and I had music going and I had headphones on and she tapped me and I yelled, excuse me. And she didn't talk to me for three days because she was scared. Oh my. 
because I was just in this place. I mean, I have the ability to focus pretty, pretty, pretty strongly. And, and she interrupted that and all that energy got snapped into her instead. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. She wouldn't let me talk to her. Wouldn't let me approach her. Wouldn't let me apologize. It took a couple of days. And I was like, Oh, I feel bad. It wasn't personal. It wasn't anything about her. Just, I was in a place and she pulled me out of it. Not a good idea. So, um, so, so when we're realizing, you know, we're in these places, okay, cool. So how do we start interrupting the pattern? How do we give permission? We got to start create, create rituals, create abilities. Hey guys, when you get home, I want you to shoes, go here, bags, go there, get a healthy snack, go in the backyard, run around like crazy people for 10 minutes. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. I want, I don't want you to come back into here a little bit sweaty. You have a deal? Okay. You guys go do that. You know, in my backyard, we have a trampoline in the summertime. So I mean, go out there, bounce, whatever, come then come in and let's, let's be family now. Cause you give them time. Same thing for masculine people. They need that transition. For me, I come home from, from martial arts and doing the thing. If mom hits me with a list of to-dos and honey, we got to blah, 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 blah. The response she gets is not great. I can do all that stuff, but I'm a squeaky wheel the whole time. I'm just kind of grousing and she can feel my energy is just low. She's like, hey, babe, go get a shower. And I get five to 10 minutes to go take a shower, just rinse the day off. Then I show up. I'm a completely different person. I'm ready for home time. And I'm just like, I'm her home husband and I'm just solid. And I'm just like, whatever we need, I'm flowing. I'm putting two-year-olds to bed. I'm doing whatever. I need that transition time. Feminine people who are by nature feminine, but operating in masculine for work, they need that cleansing ritual too. put on a nice pair of panties, take a bubble bath. They got to have a way to get back into their sensuousness and get back into their body and out of their head. They need that transition time. For them, it's usually like you know, 30 seconds ten to, to five minutes. They don't need as much time as masculine people. Um, but they need that transition time to get into that work mode. You know, and women, can you, can you notice ahead. that in children fairly easily? Like, will you notice wh which way they operate sooner than later? Or is that something that develops over time? Uh, it depends on the kid. A little bit of both. I mean, we have we have absolutely a girly girl. She loves to wear pink and she wants to do things. But at the same time, we have a big pile of dirt because we're rebuilding the steps. She wants to play in the dirt and get all filthy. So so kids don't really, you know, a lot of adults project a lot of their stuff into the kids. Mm. You know, we talked about this. So it's just they they are who they are, and over time they'll start to resonate. And you'll see it kind of like a tuning fork where it's, and then there you go. So you're going to see this vacillation. You're going to see this shifting of behaviors and they're trying out all different kinds of stuff, even through puberty, even through the teen years, early 20s. They're just trying stuff out. What feels congruent? What feels appropriate? What feels consistent? Who are they really? And, and you know, data point, data point, data point. Don't, don't run to the trend line so fast. I love it. Oh my gosh. You were, this was fantastic. I have like 5 million other questions to ask you. So I have to have you back on. Of but, course. But I have a one final question for you. Sure. For anybody out there listening that has children or maybe they feel as though, you know, they're a teacher or, or they're a babysitter or they have, they're an auntie that's really involved, whatever it is. Like, mm -hmm. what is something that they can do today? Maybe they have, maybe they realize there's some things in their life that they want to change or they want to enhance the relationship with their kids. Maybe let's leave it with that. How do sure. I enhance my relationship? What is something they can start with today? Acknowledge what's going right. Tell them what they did right. I love that. I love the way you did that. That was awesome. High five. So I tell them what they did right, and then I give a kinesthetic anchor. And what that means is high five, knuckle love, from pound fist, elbow love, we bump elbows, low foot, which is like a high five with your feet. You just you create some sort of kinesthetic to just be like, that was awesome. Give me a low foot on that one. And it's, it's, it gets them to use their body a little bit different. 
but you tell them what they did right makes it easier for them to win with you and score points in the future. And it's nice to hear that because our brain is wired. What did I mess up? Right? Like mm. you said, going to bed. Oh, I hope I'm not effing up my kids. Great. So what were your magic moments for the day? Where did you contribute to them? Where did they contribute? Where were they good examples of what you aspire for them to be in life? Where were you proud of them, grateful for them, happy? So you just sit there and you go through the ritual. You record it on your phone, throw it in a Facebook group that you keep with you and your husband. And you guys keep a log of these magic moments and these times your kids made you proud. And then on their birthday, show them. Love it. Like, hey, I just want to let you know, um, I, got, I got to talk to you. So you should probably come in and you should sit down. And we're going to have to get on the computer because, I mean, maybe it's important. I'm not sure. But here, let's just look. And then you go through and you search their name. And there's all these posts. And it's about how amazing they are and how wonderful they are and how proud you are of them. And, and they're hearing that going, that was a year ago. And you're, you're, you're saying that then. And, and six months ago, and you were saying, and then like last week, and then last night, you, you, really? And they light up because we don't get enough of that as a culture, as a world. We don't get enough of, damn it, you're awesome. And being reminded of that. So even if truckers are on the road and you haven't seen your kids, call them up and say, I'm so proud to be your dad. I'm so proud to be your mom because of these things, because of who you are and how it makes me a better person. Just you being you. And you give people permission to just be instead of they have to do to qualify, right? I did a, a Facebook Live yesterday. Um, no, it was actually today. Happiness is a decision, not a destination. You just decide to be happy. You don't need a reason to be happy other than you decide to. You could have terminal cancer and be happy. You could be dead broke and be happy. You could just decide, screw it. But how many people, I must achieve something before I will allow myself to be happy. They have what we call and rules. This and this and this and this, then I'll be happy. And then they're never happy. But pain, they have or. This or this or this, I'll be in pain. And they're in pain all day long. The secret is reverse that. I have this or this or this, I can be happy. But this and this and this have to happen before I allow myself to feel sad. And so for, for the caregivers, the coaches, the guardians, the grandparents, the mentors, the, the, the teachers, tell them what they did right. Just, just do that and you'll see behavior shift. Doing nothing else, not, not punishing the negativity, not doing anything, just reinforce the stuff you want to see. You'll start to get more of it and the other behaviors will start to go away because where do I get more energy? Oh, I get more energy when I do these things. They're going to gravitate that direction naturally, even the sociopaths, because they want to have their life be easy. And if you just make it easier for them to win with you, they don't need to manipulate you. Wow. Now imagine if adults apply this to adult relationships. Absolutely. Like this Absolutely. is something, wow. I, I want to challenge all the listeners right now to go out right after you, we log off. We're going to sign off in a second and apply this to your life. And, and if you don't, I want you to have it in the back of your brain. Why aren't you? What is not allowing you to do that? Who are you still punishing to not want to positively reinforce your child, your spouse, your coworker, your neighbor, whoever, the, your high school best friend that you haven't called in 20 years? Like, who, who is it? Who are you still wanting to punish? Because I'm just Yourself. thinking about my own life. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Nobody wins. Nobody mm -hmm. wins. So I challenge you to state, I literally wrote down, you know, are, are you making qualifying? Do you have to qualify for your love? Like, I literally what I wrote down when I was listening to you. Like, do you have qualifications? Like, if you don't do this, you don't get my love. If you have to do this, you don't get my love. Like, it doesn't, it can't be yeah. that way. And that's how well, I that's, grew up. 
That's a level two. We call that level two, which is transactional, which is horse trading, which has another older name. But I will only allow love to flow if you meet my conditions. That's that's negotiation. That's not love. That's barter system. That's whoring. Wow. Right? Unconditional love. I love you because I love you. And that's it's nothing to do with me. It's not about because you do this for me. No, that's not. I love my wife because of who and what she is. I've, I know her story. I know her life. And whether she does something for me or not, whether she rubs my back or not, it's not a big deal. Because I've wow. seen who she is. And I love her. And she can rage and she can be in the storm and she can spew all this stuff because she's just in a place where she just needs to spew stuff. Okay, I can take it. I love you. Wow. And that okay. disarms. Because I can absorb it. Because I can receive it with earth energy. I can just ground that energy out and I can just love her through that. And then what happens? We get closer together on the other side of the storm. Wow. That's fun. That is fun. That is fun. And the most important part is you not only win, but your kids win, your relationships win. And, and at the end of the day, these are things that you can control and you can change. And nobody's a bad person. If you realize that some of these things you may have messed up on, trust me, there have been many parenting moments where I'm like, epic fail. Oh, <laughs> epic fail. But I remember that resilience is something that that has been ingrained in me. And if anything, I'm going to teach my kids that. And it's a learn as you go. Nobody's perfect. And Jeremy, I think that you laid so many nuggets of truth out for so many people today, not just as a parenting level, but everything you talked about, everything can be translated into every relationship with anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the game changer is you can change these things. You can apply these things. You can share love this way and you can grow this way. And these are all teachable, usable tools that you can do. So remember your challenge I gave you everybody, those listeners, you know, go out and apply one of these things, share love with your children, share love with you, with your friends and family, with your coworkers and see how that world around you begins to change. Jeremy, how can people find out about you? Uh, two ways. Number one is on Facebook. I do a live generally um, around 1030 Eastern Standard Time. And that is about a half hour-ish. I went a little long today. But go to guy, And that's on Facebook. So facebook.com slash. Um, the other thing is if you guys want to get a copy of my book, Your Best Child Ever, Is This Game Worth Winning? And I lay out 12 different games. And I set some stuff in place ahead of that. Like here's the foundation. Here's how you get in the game. Here's the couple of, of ground rules you just have for yourself and for your family. Um, and these work with kids no matter how old they are. It could be the, the kids you work with. It doesn't have to be the kids you're raising. Wow. It could be the kid inside yourself. Just play different games. Um, but I'm giving the book away for free. You just got to pay shipping and handling. I'll get it to wherever you are. Uh, it's freebook.theparentingprogram.com. Okay, we're going to share that link. So we'll make sure it's in the comment section and it's in the description so everyone can get this book. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's a money back guarantee. I wrote it when I was single, not dating and didn't have kids, but I had 17 years of working with families and kids. Plus I had my own issues from six years old because I said, so quit working. And if all you had was positional authority, you would not get me to follow you in the slightest. And uh, so I was a jerk, a jerk of a teenager. I had some, some stuff going on that I didn't know about. It took 20 years to kind of come to realization and then another 10 to work through it. And I wrote this book because I began to realize it's all, everything we do as humans, it's either we're, we're playing games to get energy or we're telling stories to justify the game. And I'm writing the sequel right now for, is this story worth telling? Because the stories justify the game and the game is how we get energy flow. And if we can't motivate energy flow, we will manipulate energy flow. And then if wow. we can't get anything, that's apathy. And that's like, oh crap, now we go crazy mode. 
because we got to have the energy to survive. So it's, it's how, do you, how do you get control? If you can control games and you can control stories, life is yours. And, and you get to live it on your terms and you can create positive around you and, or, and within the people around you at the same time. Holy cow, like what a way to end. That was deep and I am excited to get your book. I feel like every teacher in my kids' school, I'm like, guess what you're getting as a teacher gift at the end of the year? I love you're getting it. this awesome book. But please, you guys, the best way that you can support Jeremy is definitely download his book, share his book, take his insights. You are a wealth of knowledge and I so appreciate you being on the show today. For everyone listening, the most important thing you can do is share out this broadcast. By you sharing our show, you get the message out, not only about how to be a better parent and be a better person on the face of this earth, but you also get our message about Crumbinsfield Radio and you share this with others. I want to thank our sponsor, Davy Crockett, TA Petro. Without you guys, Crumbinsfield Radio would not be in existence. Backshield, thank you so much. If your back hurts and you're driving long, long term, go to backshield.com, check them out, use the code DDH10 and you can get a 10% off and you always get free shipping. So check them out. But most importantly, make sure you check out mothertruckeryoga.com where you can feel better wherever, no matter if you're on or off the road. I know, Mother Trucker Yoga, right? But uh, we'll see you guys again. Mother Trucker Yoga, I love it. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Thanks for being on. And we'll see you all again real soon. My pleasure.